From Upstate Medical University in Syracuse, New York, I'm Amber Smith. This is HealthLink on Air. The National Weather Service says Hurricane Dorian was the strongest and most destructive storm of the 2019 hurricane season. The northern Bahamas, the Abaco Island, and the Grand Bahama Island were devastated in early September by Dorian's Category 5 winds, which were estimated to have reached over 180 miles per hour with a storm surge of greater than 18 feet. An upstate doctor who is one of those who traveled to the Bahamas on a medical mission soon after the storm is here with me in the HealthLink on Air studio to talk about his trip. Dr. David Lehman is a distinguished service professor of medicine. Welcome back to HealthLink on Air, Dr. Lehman. Thank you. Now, the storm killed 65 people or more and and left more than 70,000 people homeless. What drew you to want to travel there to help provide relief? Right. So I... um was sitting in, in, in my lounge chair uh, watching cable news and I saw a man with his baby on a boat that was headed to Miami being informed that neither him or his baby would be allowed in the United States. They would be turned back, they would be refused entry to the United States. I got, I, at that point, and that, the reason for that was that the Trump administration refused temporary protected status for Bahamians, going against not just morality and ethics, but against all longstanding policy in the United States for other countries. So that so, sprung you into action. You so what, to... at that point, I remembered the words of St. Augustine, who said that uh, Hope had two beautiful daughters. The first daughter was anger and the second daughter was courage. So I was very angry uh, at that point, and I be- began to think, I gotta do something about this to give a different face of the United States to these poor people. Now, you have a background in doing medical relief yes, work yourself. Right. Yes. Where, where else have you traveled? For- I traveled to Puerto Rico uh, after Hurricane Maria, and then there was a New York Times article front page uh, that showed the devastation of Haiti after Hurricane Matthew, and I, that I was moved with, with pity and with sorrow at that. So so when you decided that you wanted to act and do something, uh, where do you turn? What, what group do you connect with? What, what did you do? So I went, so, so I went on the Internet before, before uh, I went to Haiti and researched for, you know, not a lot of time, but for a significant amount of time, looking at organizations that have very low overhead, almost no administrative fees, uh, and all the money going to the place that you're going to be going to. And the International Medical Relief uh, was an organization that um, I uh, joined in Haiti. Um, we, there was, uh, myself was the only physician, and there were uh, 20 nurses and a nurse practitioner and a PA with me in Haiti, and we provided care to 1,500 patients in a week. Um, uh, it was an intense experience, um, and uh, we had... Uh, Upstate uh, uh, Upstate Medical University provided saline for me to take on the trip, and the first two liters of saline I got IV that night because I passed out because my blood pressure dropped. Oh from wow! Ball. I was very dehydrated, so it was an intense trip at that point. But it was obvious to me that the organization uh, they were on the ground, they did all the stuff that I wanted them to do, and I was very pleased with that experience, as, as arduous as it was. So the organization was on the ground prior to right. the hurricane? Right. So, so the way it worked here, it was different in Maria. It's different in each place depending upon the situation. So originally, we were 
destined to, so I joined, I, so this was just an organization I'm very familiar with now, and I just said, picked up the phone, and I said, let's, are you going to the Bahamas? That was literally 10 days before we actually went to the Bahamas, was when I picked the phone up, and they, so it's, it's this post-disaster relief is, is kind of a mad rush to try to figure out the logistics. So originally, we were going to leave Fort Lauderdale on a boat chartered directly to Abaco, um, and um, uh, that morphed into um, going to the Grand Bahamas simply because there was nobody on Abaco. Oh, everyone was... Everyone was... There was it was a ban on people coming into Abaco because everybody had to get off the island because there's many more than 65 people that died. There's many people on... Many hundreds of people on Abaco died. The stench was intense. And so there was actually no infrastructure. There were no buildings left on that island, and there were no people that were alive. They had to exhume. Had to. Uh, they had to um, recover all the bodies, and so for sanitation purposes. And actually, there was just nobody left there to care for. We were diverted to the Grand Bahamas. Now they experienced lots of flooding, not as intensive winds. So there were structures that were still standing on that island. So were there people who left Abaco and came to the Grand Bahama Island? No, for... so we went directly from Fort Lauderdale to uh, Grand Bahamas. Local residents, yes. Okay, so that's what, what we served Right, so they, they bifurcated uh, the refugees, the internal intra-refugees from uh, uh, Abaco to Grand Bahamas and to uh, the larger uh, islands that around. So, But I saw a significant number of uh, people that were from Abaco the, on to Grand Bahamas, staying with family and, and friends and that. Um, so um, the, the um, population served was a Haitian immigrant community who had lived there, their residents, they've lived, lived there for many years, um, but they, uh, they, their, their infrastructure there from their healthcare process is that they are the lowest members of their socioeconomic status and they have very poor access to, to health care um, uh, in, in a significant minority of that population. So we served, there was, tw there was one other physician, myself, and uh, three nurse practitioners, PAs, and uh, 10 nurses that uh, served uh, 550 to 600 pay people over, over a four-day period. You're listening to Upstate's HealthLink on Air. I'm your host, Amber Smith. I'm talking about providing medical care in the aftermath of a hurricane with Dr. David Lehman, a distinguished service professor from Upstate and a doctor who traveled to the Bahamas. So tell me about the types of care you provided. What sorts of illnesses or injuries it, did these so, people have? So um, after, after uh, Matthew in, in Haiti, it was a lot of separative abscesses post uh um, uh, jagged cuts, infected, etc. A lot of uh, subacute injuries that I cared for, and medical, just general medical type uh, relief. Uh, in um, uh, in the Bahamas, it primarily was general medical relief. So there was no pharmacies open. They had no meds. They had, you know people that were out of their meds for the high blood pressure and for their asthma and all this other stuff had to be supplied. With that, we brought all medicine. We bring all medicines with us uh, when we do this, and so we're able to supply them with their kind of a, a buttress to that. There was, this, I would say, a significant minority, maybe 20% of the population that never seen a physician before, and I was caring for them for the first time. They were trying to, so I was doing kind of urgent care with them and trying to, to let them know if their 
they, they, they needed to seek medical attention, et cetera, for different types of illnesses. But very similar to, a, to an office practice type based thing, uh, 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 general medical practice. So you would ask the person, you know, what medicine they were taking for right. their high blood pressure right. and, and give them the equivalent right, right, right. or whatever. Yeah, basically. Right. So how long do you tide them over for? I mean, what, what's the outlook for how soon they'd have pharmacies? 30 days. Okay. Uh, which only because that sounds about right. <laughs> you know, you can't, can't give them a year's worth of supply. You'll lose your supply for somebody else. So right. it's a decision process with that. So where did you stay when you were there? And, and so we had two, we were we uh, each day we would go out into the streets to see any shut-ins in the morning and then in the neighborhood, and then have the clinic in the afternoons to the evening uh, in a local church uh, that had cleared out their common area. So we worked out of two local churches, um, and we slept there. We uh, we we slept in in the at the same site that we provide medical care to. Um, so did them. you bring all of your own sort of bedding and food? Yeah, so, and so, I had a, so we had, uh, you bring your own tent, uh, you bring your own food, bring your own water, uh, and, um, you know, uh, any personal, personal stuff, you bring all your own. Um, once we got there, uh, our pallet was delayed um, for a day, and so we were happy that we were able to bring our own food because there was... We didn't have any water or other things like that, so you have to bring your own stuff. Yeah. Can you tell us about the beautician you before? Oh yeah. Befriended? So yeah, Mama Marie. So she she was the uh, second day we were there. She uh, we were going into the to a uh, Haitian community that this we were told that this block is you know a lot of people are need at this block. So we went in there, and so I uh, was walking down the street, and we went house to house, and it turns out that we were I went to a home that. Uh, actually was her place of business. So this woman named Mama Marie, she was kind of a, uh, the block matriarch. You know, she's everybody, she knows everybody's business. <laughs> and she was, you know, she's a good, good egg. And so she also was a beautician uh, for the women in the, in the area. And so she had had her place flooded and it was just up and running for the first day. So I uh, talked with her and she helped us go around to introduce us to the people around there and drum up business for the afternoon. We bonded because my mother uh, was a was a beautician, uh, and so we kind of talked about that. So it was kind of a, a good moment. Well, I think listeners may remember um, that you are the same physician providing in Syracuse house calls for the homeless. Correct. So talk to me about the similarities between the relief work in the aftermath of a hurricane and the homeless population. There's lots of analogies, and uh, the uh, uh, I think my work, my international work I've done for actually for 30 years, more than 30 years in Kenya and Nepal and India, Ecuador, and the places I did with international medical relief kind of helps me uh, meet the people where they're at, kind of realize that, you know, your ego stops there, you forget that, that, and you kind of um, try to provide dignity to people, uh, which is more important than medical care, and that's the first priority. Um, And uh, in addition to that, from a logistical and practical standpoint, um, it helped me do my med box, for instance. I have front-loaded my medicines. Now I'm able to bring medicines with me um, to, uh, to the people in the, in the, in the, on the streets, antibiotics, um, blood pressure meds, inhalers, things like that. So it's very similar in that regard as I provide kind of a um, 
my, my role, since there's nobody that's their doctor, is to be their doctor until they're housed. And so that's kind of an analogy to the interim medical care mm -hmm. that I would provide until, say, the pharmacy opened in Bahamas or they could see their doctor who had his business closed and was going to reopen, that kind of thing. What does your med box look like? So it's a, it, we got it from uh, Best Buy, and uh, it's, a, it's a locker kind of thing where you carry it around, and uh, it's uh, full of uh, about anywhere, yeah, about two-week supply of the different medicines that I'm carrying. Antibiotics, just, blood pressure. It, so it's all portable and it, you oh, yeah. got everything. Yeah, you know. yeah. Well, you have a reputation um, for helping the underserved. Is that why you chose a career in medicine? Uh, so I was a, uh, a religious brother in a, in, a, in, a health, in a healthcare order in the Catholic Church. And uh, I, uh, my novitiate, after my novitiate year, I went to Kenya and worked. I was a pharmacist before I was a physician, so I ran a hospital pharmacy in the Kenyan bush for a year um, and uh, came back and that experience uh, really touched me and kind of moved me to, to, to do more physical touch, more, more contact uh, in medicine, um, although my pharmacy career was is still a very wonderful memory. I still try to bring that forward um, to teach, et cetera, when I'm here. So when I got back from, the, from that, um, I left the order and uh, went to medical school. The, the, the joke in the family is, is that uh, when I took the first set of vows for the order, I thought they said celebrate instead of celibate. Uh, <laughs> so my wife and I still, after 35 years, so I, you know, <laughs> I think I made the right call. <laughs> well, what advice do you have for any healthcare providers who are interested in getting involved in providing medical right. relief? So first thing is, is got, you got to want it. You got to have a desire to help with that. Number two would be leave, leave ego at the door, and you're going to be part of a team. You're no, nobody different in terms of, uh, you know, status or whatever. That's, that's gone, especially when you're serving the people like that. And you also have to be extremely flexible with conditions. You're going to have to be, you know, we're sleeping on the floor. I was sleeping on this. My, you know, back was hurting, and I was had to take showers outside, and we had the, the toilets you don't even want to talk about. So the people have to be realized that that's going to be part of your life with that. And have to have the gear to bring with yeah, them, yeah, right? Yeah, Their yeah, own. For this per yeah, 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 exactly. Um, does a medical license work internationally? Yeah, Are so it's uh, the, there's a, an agreement with these places that uh, will honor honor your like. For instance, in in Puerto Rico, they had an agreement with the government. I was writing controlled substance prescriptions on a piece of cardboard. The pharmacies would take. I mean, it was kind of crazy with that, but I was able to. to so we had a, I have, remember a, an Iraq a war veteran who uh, was, had an IED that, uh, in Puerto Rico that was in a way, way back, and he, was, he, couldn't, he couldn't traverse the, the stream outside of his house that I was able to give him tramadol, and I was riding on the back of a piece of cardboard that the pharmacist would, reckon would get. So. You said he had an IED? Well, he was in Iraq, and he had an uh, improvised explosive device go off and he had lost his leg and he hurt his oh. back with that so that was when he was in Iraq and so he's in chronic pain and he needed some medicines and et cetera. so there's there's ways around the, the license thing well thank you to Dr. David Lehman a distinguished service professor of medicine at Upstate I'm Amber Smith for Upstate's podcast and talk show HealthLink on Air